Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage, Marriage on a Tight Rope. I've I'm, never done that. No, we haven't. I'm Katie. Alan, I am. And <laughs> we are not in sync. <laughs> but we're still married, we and are. that's good. Uh-huh. You know, we have a wonderful interview for y'all today. Also, probably one of my favorite interviews. I know we say that every time, but their story is just incredible. We mean it this time. We'd like to formally apologize to all couples we've ever interviewed. You are second tier to oh, this couple. Oh, jeez. I wouldn't is say that. Is that harsh? That. Well, that was harsh. You know, I, I just tell it like it is. Mm. <laughs> We're going to be joined today by Tyler and Tara Briggs. Uh, we won't spoil any of, their, any of their story in this introduction. We'll let them do that themselves. But we do have a few announcements we'd like to get to. Uh, and these are important. Don't skip ahead. Especially this first one is time sensitive because on October 9th, which is this coming Saturday, hopefully for you in the future. Uh, nope. But this coming Saturday in our world. October 9th. We have uh, a meetup in Utah County at 7 p.m. at the Business Alianza. That is in Pleasant Grove. Now, Katie, can you tell them a little bit about what we're going to do? Then we'll give them the address. Sure. So this actually is a meetup for anyone who lives in Utah. We, we know people that are going to be in town from out of town that yeah. will be uh, here during that time. And they are going to come to the presentation. And that's what it is. Alan and I did a presentation in St. George about mixed faith marriage. We take the survey results that we got from 515 respondents and go over those results and uh, talk about how that's a positive thing, how it's a positive thing in our community as well as our marriages. And so it's about a 45 minute presentation. We'll do a Q&A after. And then after that, Meet and greet. We let you loose to meet other people. That's right. And if you don't want to stay for the meet and greet, but you do want to come listen to us speak, we would love to have you for any or all part of it. Yeah. You know, we've had a few people ask us if they could invite family members or even bishops to come. And absolutely. Uh, we give you our, we're the only presenters. And if you listen to the podcast, hopefully you know that you can, you can trust us with the ears of your, uh, of your loved ones and, and leaders. So if anyone would like to bring uh, anyone else or extend this invitation to, to those outside of the group, they're absolutely welcome. I think that awareness of mixed faith is super important. Right. And especially if you have a family member, a mom, a sister, a Anyone that uh, is really just trying to understand where you're at, this might be a really good um, reason to bring them. So uh, don't you know, don't feel like you have to come alone. And if you want a support network to come, they are welcome as well. The only thing that we are asking is to just bring a treat to share. Bring there a will, dessert. There will be drinks provided, but yeah, bring a dessert to share. And then we can stay as long as we want to. We're so grateful, by the way, to Brian at Alianza for offering up this space. We're very, very lucky. So it is Suite 500 when you get to that building. You've seen the building off of off of I-15 if you're headed down to uh, Pleasant Grove or up to Pleasant Grove, depending on where you're coming from. Uh, but the address is 1064-1064 North County Boulevard, Suite 500 in Pleasant Grove, Utah. We do ask, we'd love to get a head count. So if you can go to the, the Facebook group, Marriage on a Tightrope, go to the events page and RSVP if you're coming. We'd love to know just about how many people are going to be there. That's right. Do we need to talk about my armpits in St. George? 
I need to choose a different shirt. That was a really bad segue. Oh my gosh, you guys. I wore, we don't need to get into it super deep and talk about it forever, but I wore a shirt. I mean, thankfully I was wearing a shirt. Uh, but at the presentation in St. George, there's about 150 people there. I don't get nervous, but I sweat really easily. Oh, it was so bad. My shirt the was, whole thing was soaked. drenched the whole thing. and I, there was no hiding it. So I just had to call attention to it and say, look, this is, this is who I am. So and then as, take it or leave it. As soon as the presentation ended, Alan like ran to the car, changed, changed into a t-shirt because <laughs> he was like, I have got to get out of this. So maybe you'll, you'll um, pick something more moisture wicking, Alan. Uh, that's true. I, I need to wear an undershirt. An undershirt. An undershirt. Okay. The other announcement we have before we get to this awesome interview is we are going to have a women's retreat in January. We have not decided on a date yet. It will probably be the latter part of January, but this will be a retreat for mix for anyone in this mixed faith community, but we wanted it to be accessible to both post-Mormon um, active believing women, nuanced women. I think that a lot of people fall in sort of like this gray space and it's not like all in, I'm going to an LDS church thing and it's not all out. I'm going to a thrive event. If you fall <laughs> somewhere in that realm of I'm all in, I'm all out and there's gray in between, this will be for you. Because So, so is be, it not for full believers then? It's for full believers. Okay. I just said that. Okay, so it's for everybody. It's for everybody. So if you're all in or all out or in between. Or in between. Perfect, perfect. So it's for for anybody. But not for men. Not for men. Okay. This is women only. And the cool thing is, is I've asked women in the group who have professional expertise in certain things to come and present and to do just a really cool retreat for all of us. And there'll be some professionals there. Um, I've already talked to... Um, Janice Spingler, and um, I think it'll just be super positive, um, a good way for you guys to mingle and get to know one another, and specifically for those in a mixed faith marriage, because there are so many challenges that come with that. But what I need from all of you (laughs) is we are looking for a venue. We have decided it's going to be a day retreat. It's it's a lot to try and coordinate uh, people's overnight schedules. If you do have like some sort of cabin and you want to offer it up or something like that, um, let me know. But please email me if you have connections to a, a venue or you would like to offer a large home for as many women as we can fit in there um, to do this retreat. That would be really helpful. And uh, hubbies that are out there listening, be supportive when this comes around. And uh, be the parent that you are and cover the load for <laughs> for that day. Shuttle off to uh, soccer practices. I assume it's going to be on a Saturday, but who knows? We'll yeah, see. More details Saturday. forthcoming. That's right. All right. I think those are all the announcements we have. Enjoy this episode with Tara and Tyler. We're joined today by a wonderful couple. Guess what? What? Okay. So we have our our uh, <laughs> course with Natasha. Yes. Right? And we have a number of couples that we've gotten close with because of that course. We have this Calendly link that you can go out to and sign up for a time to be interviewed by us. And here we are sitting about a week and a half ago, or maybe it was a few weeks ago anyway, and we get this email that says, Tyler and Tara Briggs (laughs) 
want to be interviewed. And we just went, Ooh, this is going to be fun. No kidding. I was jumping for joy and I was telling all my friends about how I'm so excited for this interview. This is not for anyone listening. It's just for Tyler and Tara. So please mute for the next 15 seconds. All the listeners, we loved getting to know you in the course and thank the, the world of you. You're awesome. People can't wait for people to get to know you. And uh, welcome to Marriage on the Tyro. Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, Yay. What and why? Why did you want to come on? Yeah. What What makes you want to tell <laughs> your story? Well, I think we love, we love your course. And um, I think that we can all learn from each other and from each other's experiences. And um, I think that one of the important things about being in a mixed faith marriage is having empathy for each other's situation. So I just thought it'd be fun to tell our story. Am I right? Yeah, for me, the Marriage on a Tightrope course was life-changing. Yeah. And um, it really kind of helped us get back together as a couple. And I think, for me anyway, I realized that, well, we're not as far apart or different as I used to think we were. Yeah. So we loved, 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 loved the course. Yeah. So we're so glad that you loved it. And honestly, you only get out of it what you put into it. And you two certainly put quite a bit in. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you were really good examples for a lot of the other couples as well, because We'll get into it, but everyone has challenges, but I feel like the two of you have worked through so much more than just mixed faith. And so it's, it's kind of funny that you're, you're like, well, you know, this helped us so much. And well, I think in return, it helped us see how you guys worked through it and you worked through so many other things and we're going to get to it. And why don't we just start the teaser? I know. Why don't we just start with Tara? Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about about yourself? So um, I am a preemie. We're both preemies. And we were both two pounds, four ounces. And twins. When, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was a twin, actually. So when you're that yes. little, you have a 50-50 chance of surviving. And my twin didn't survive. Um, and I did. And with that little, you have no development in your lungs. And so I was on oxygen and that caused um, retinal detachment. So I am blind from birth and my eye condition is called retinopathy of prematurity. Gotcha. Um, my, my parents, my, my Mormon story is uh, my, what happens when an agnostic and an atheist meet at a Mormon <laughs> church dance? <laughs> Me, <not laughs> you, is, you is what happens. <laughs> so I got ready. I was raised a very strange kind of, of Mormon, which is, I have teased my mom with this, but I've said, you know, mom, my parents didn't stay together. They, they were divorced by the time or shortly after I was born. And I've said to my mom, as a single parent, you looked around and thought, okay, who will watch my kids the longest? The Mormons. All right, you're going there. Three hours a week. I need a break. <laughs> Every Sunday. That's all right. So I actually do have pioneer ancestors on her side of the family, but um, she's always been a non-believer. She had feminist issues with the church. Didn't like the fact that women couldn't have the priesthood. And uh, But the neighbors were 
going. And so we went, we would go to sacrament meeting and then she would go on a walk, a long exercise walk for a couple of hours with another heathen friend from the ward. (laughs) And I have this really vivid memory of being in church with her. And I was really interested in what the speaker was saying. And she's like, Hey, are you, are you thirsty? I'm like, no. She's like, well, don't, don't you want to go get a drink of water? I'm like, I'm fine. She's like, no, you need to go get a drink of water. Come on. (laughs) We go out in the hall and she goes, I'm so bored in there. And and, uh, you'd come home from primary and she'd say, oh, what did you do in primary? And you'd say, oh, we sang I'm a child of God. And she said, and she would say, well, I'm not obeying anybody. I don't like that song. I'm not obeying anyone. So, So, okay. So unorthodox, Tara. Yeah. Did you feel, did you feel free to just have your own opinion growing up with a mother like that? Oh yeah. My parents are very, they're pretty well, whatever floats your boat. So when my, when my older brother went on a mission, so my mom was married to a guy before my, my dad and they had three kids. And then my dad was married to a lady before my mom and they had three kids. So kind of Brady bunch, but didn't work out. And then they got married and had me. So anyway, she, my mom and her ex-husband are helping my brother pay for his mission. And while they're totally agreeing to it, they're also harassing him about, you know, the pre-race temple ban, priesthood temple race ban, you know, and right, right. Like, like, why are you believing this? But we'll pay for it anyway, kind of thing. So spiteful yeah. support. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, it's kind of, I don't know. We, As far as like religion goes, I have felt very supported by my parents to believe uh, whatever I, I believe. I actually think that's a really good example because so, so many of us, you know, at least in this situation only know the one way, which is both parents believing and you have to keep believing. And now we find ourselves in the mixed faith where one parent's like, Oh, maybe is similar to your mom, Tara. And, Mm. and the other is like, but still, in the end, they're very supportive of your choice, which is, that's a super good example. Yeah, yeah. My growing up, my dad, he never, um, he's an atheist. He's been an atheist my whole life. And uh, if you ask, you know, questions, he'd answer. But um, he would just as happily drive me over to the Mormon church as he does to Unitarian church where I go now. Wow. Right. Just let me know what I can do. I think there's a difference between atheist and anti-theist or uh, what do they call it? Um, Oh, darn it. Tara, you may know better than me. I can't remember. Uh, Not combative. No, I see what you're saying. Militant. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he he may have his own beliefs, but he's, he's going to be supportive and, and, and willing to, to just allow you to be who you need to be. Yeah. I have, I have one um, believing sibling left of my six, all five of us, five of my six siblings. Um, no, I'm seven. So, so six of the seven siblings have all left the church. And uh, um, so my dad has of his kids. Uh, my older sister is very active, very believing, and he is totally supportive of her. Great. That is good. Tyler, tell us about you. Okay, so my story is a little opposite of that. (laughs) Uh, Actually, completely opposite of that. 
I, you know, I was raised in a home where both parents um, were and are uh, such believers in the church, and we were raised that way. Baptized, you know, did did the did the ordinances, the mission, the temple, all of those things. I have siblings who all grew up the same way, and uh, uh, so we were all. We were all very staunch believers. I don't know. I served a served a genealogy mission. I loved, I loved that. Um, went to BYU as a student, and uh, so, and, and that's where we met too. So, for me, it was you know, it's it's what I've known. The church is what I've known, and, and it's what I continue to believe. Yeah. Tyler, I don't think you mentioned this. You were born at two pounds, right? Two pounds, as well. four ounces as well. And tell us a little bit about your disability as well. Sure, sure. So I have um, a condition called arthrogryposis. It's um, in the muscular dystrophy family. So I have um, deformed limbs and very little muscle uh, in those limbs. So uh, I use a wheelchair, um, and I, I require help with, with all activities of daily living and, um, you know, depend on other people to, um, you know, to be there to help me get up in the morning, eat meals, um, use the restroom. You know, it's, it's very, very involved. Uh, I consider myself to be independent as long as my support system is in place. Sure. So, right. So. Well, I can, I can say this without a doubt. What, how many times we've been on camera with the Briggs? Probably a dozen, probably a dozen or more, more than, yeah, probably more a dozen or more. Yeah. Uh, you always look dapper. You're always, oh. you always have the tie on. You're looking, you're looking fresh, Tyler, every time we see you. <laughs> Well, part of that's a function of work, and, and it's easy to stay dressed up even when I get home because sure, a lot of work to change me, right? Yeah, you know, I've never learned to tie your ties. That's and it's, it's, it is ridiculous. Like I have a good blind friend that I know would teach me how to tie a tie. And it's like on my list of things to learn. To be fair, it's difficult to to tie a tie for someone else. I always have to like put it over my own neck. And tie yeah. it and then slip it off and, and, and it put it on. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The other day he had some family members having a tie ties for him race going on, you know, and I just spent <laughs> on my list of things to do. I had a tie tie and I've never done it. <laughs> my my dad is really good at at standing in front of me and tying the tie, you know, in the opposite direction of himself. Wow. So that is a talent that's, in and of itself. Still, he mastered. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, so on marriage on a tightrope, we have done a mixed race marriage interview. We have mixed done a mixed orientation marriage interview, and this is our first mixed disability interview. Yeah. Hey, wow. So, cool. Yeah, it's so super thank fun. You. Yes. Personally, I'm a little upset at the scientists who ended up naming your conditions because they are difficult uh-huh. to remember uh-huh. and pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I prefer I know work good. And I know I know work good. But uh anyway. I, I know work good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm, I know work good and your limbs know work good. So. Yeah, I know work good, limbs know work good. See, it's easier to remember. It's easier to remember. Because my eyes know work good. Eyes know work good. I hope the listeners out there know that we're not trying to make fun. We have a friendly rapport. We have a very friendly no, rapport no. with Tara no. and Tyler. Hey, I will find the line. I'll find the line. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I don't I don't cross it. No, you won't. Let's get to the marriage part of it. So you mentioned you met at BYU. I imagine that you you saw this wonderful, wonderfully beautiful woman, and you said, "Please hand, <laughs> please hand me that microfiche." <laughs> so the only yeah, thing how did you meet? The only thing you liked about me was my guide dog. <laughs> oh, the dog. dog gets gets all the the men, doesn't it? Uh, no actually like i was not everybody in their everybody in their dog was dating at byu but me and my dog <laughs> like, um yeah so i've used i've used service dogs since i graduated from high school and you had a service dog when you were 13 right i did i had a service dog from about age 13 to 19 or 20 I retired him right before I started at BYU. So, right. So I I came walking into the BYU has this uh, just wonderful accessibility uh, lab where every computer has the assistive technology to accommodate pretty much every disability. Um, and so I came walking into the lab and. <laughs> And it was winter, and so I was grumpy because I hate winter. I do not like being cold. And she, she, to describe visually what what I saw, <laughs> she came walking into that lab. This huge old black coat zipped clear up to her chin because that's what people do in the winter. Um, <laughs> that's what. No- Sensible people do. <laughs> I do in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she had these thick Coke bottle glasses on. And um, I, I have to admit, because of that, I thought you could see more than you could. So, and, and she had a scowl on her face. It's like, oh boy, what is walking into this lab? December to April. Yes, you do. <laughs> Did you say scowled or scowl? Scowl. I hate okay, winter. Good. Yes, oh. that's true. Um, but but she she reached out her hand to me uh, to introduce herself. And, and again, <laughs> I thought she could see more than she could. And um, so... Um, you struggled to... I, I said, uh, I, in my mind, I was saying, oh, man... She wants me to reach out my hand and shake it. This is hard for me to do. I said, oh, hi. And it was kind of a disgusted hi. And we, we shook hands. Um, what, what did my hand feel like to you? Did you care if I asked that? What, no, what no, of course. No, yes. you, well, the tiniest, coldest hand I'd ever felt was you. <laughs> You can't wear gloves in the winter, and your hands are little. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm. 
Yes. That's quite the meat cute. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we, we didn't like each other for a while. Um, what was it? Was it mutual or was it more like I didn't like you? No, your, assist, your assistive technology was interfering with oh, my assistive oh, technology. Yes. Assistive That's technology right. is what disabled people use to use computers. So uh, blind people use um, a screen reader that, that talks and, and reads the screen to us at a at a quick rate, and you used the sticky key piece of crap that was interfering <laughs> with my shortcut keys on the keyboard. Since I can't use the mouse, I used the keyboard to navigate. <laughs> well, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> it my problem because you didn't turn off your stupid sticky keys. <laughs> you see, religion is the least of our problems that's sometimes. Right. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, this story, this story, it's like, okay, how did you ever get together? So yeah, that's what, how did it happen? Um, so I started working at the accessibility lab. In the same lab where we met. Yeah, the same lab where we met. And I, I got all the crappy shifts that nobody wanted. So, so she was the low woman on the totem pole. Yeah. So I, I was... I was the highest at the time, I think. Uh, so thanks a lot. You're <laughs> so I came up one Friday night and we just started like, we just started talking, you know, and because the secret of the accessibility lab, at least in those days, is you basically got paid to just sit around and study, you know, and if somebody walked in, you were supposed to help them. But all the employees would be annoyed with you. They wouldn't say anything. But if you actually expected help, they'd be like, really? You're interfering with my studying for biology. (laughs) She expected help every time she walked in for the first year. I I did. Go away. I'm trying to study. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, anyway, I walked up there. We just ended up having this long conversation. Do you remember what we talked about? Tell everything. Everything from our pet peeves to kind of our our fears and dreams and what we I think we even wanted as far to talk about what we kind of wanted in someone we might marry. Yeah. So. That's a usual conversation at BYU. What's that? That's that's a very typical conversation yes, at BYU. Yes, it is. Yeah. That, yes, that's that's is. within an hour of meeting each other is typically that's right. <laughs> when that no. conversation happens. Yep. So we went out to, I walked out with him to the bus and then he asked, <laughs> he asked me on a date and I'm like, okay, yeah. So we pick a date and then I go walking home and then you go driving off. No, you we went back into the No, that's right. right. Yeah. Cause I still had a little bit of a shift and then you went. I, I, I went, I went bus. to the bus. On my way to the bus, I was thinking. What did I just do? I've asked a blind girl out on a date. <laughs> Neither of us drive. Right. Um, you can't I can't yourself. feed myself. <laughs> what in the world are we even going to do? Only so, what you really thought is what in the hell are we really going to do? This is the way you have to. With the yes, hell. Yes. <laughs> you filtered. So yes, what, filtered. what was the first date? What did you figure out? So, Okay. So there, there's a bit of a backstory even to the first date leading up to it. So right. I got confused. Yeah, you, on, you almost ditched me. Oh, I did. I got confused on the dates that we were actually going to go out. 
And um, I, I, I think I thought I had one more week to go before the before the date, and it turned out to be just two or three days away. So I panicked. I thought, "Oh no, I got to figure this out fast." So I asked a friend of mine if he could be our chauffeur and basically help me eat and. And drive. Did you, no, did you drive? So you turned us? this into a service project? Yes, I did. I turned this into a <laughs> no, service project. No, no, I, I, I drove you. We had a miracle for one night. Functioning <laughs> retinas. <laughs> <laughs> I do work <laughs> good. <laughs> no, no, no. I still work good. Okay. I still work good. <laughs> actually, actually, that's why I'm in the wheelchair. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> no. But anyway, we uh, we had a good time. We went bowling, uh, which Tara graciously put up with, because um, she hates bowling. I don't mind. I don't like the loud. The music yeah. is not loud. But yeah. I yeah, I don't like being in places where you know I'm having to yell in the ear of the person sitting next to me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, went to dinner, um, my friend fed me, we went bowling, that was, that was fun, we put up the, the gutter guards, uh, so that Tara could have some success at knocking down pins, and then we went back to, to, uh, my friend's apartment, the one who drove us, and had ice cream and, and a movie. And I think he invited several other friends over that point. And he dished me ice cream, both of us ice cream. He said, I'll come help you once I'm done dishing everyone up. Well, Tara was feeling bad that I was just sitting there with a bowl of, excuse me, a bowl of ice cream. And, um. So I offered to feed it to you. Yeah, you offered to feed it to me and I reluctantly accepted. Because I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. How is this going to work? So um, she she fed me, and some bites of ice cream were nothing but air on the spoon. <laughs> Other bites of ice cream were this gargantuous blob <laughs> on the spoon. And so I I don't like getting food spilled on my clothes. So I took, I, I took these whole big blobs of ice cream and I ate them. I've stuck, <laughs> I stuffed my mouth full of freezing cold ice cream because I didn't want it to spill on my clothes. This is and, the greatest. This is the best story this ever. Is the greatest. <laughs> I, was, I was having major brain freeze. <laughs> I don't. Did I tell you that? Yes, you did. Oh, the ice cream's full of brain. I mean, later we <laughs> we've refined the eating. Yes. Technique. Yes, we a were. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. But but the beauty of that night and that experience, for me anyway, was a realization of, oh, we can do this again. Mm, I yeah. kind of had fun. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> we we hit it off well. So um the next night, a mutual friend asked us how how the date went and uh said, Oh, it was really fun. I think we want to get together again. So he invited us over for dinner and a movie the next night. And uh, so 
that was kind of a maiden voyage of, of um, really being fed by Tara, mm-hmm. by you. And, um, and it, it involved some steak and I think asparagus. Yeah, uh, but some, like some, some food that had to be cut. Mm-hmm. And um, you were really nervous, I remember. Was about, I? Yeah, you were about making sure the food was cut into small enough pieces. Oh, okay. And um, anyway, it, again, again, it worked. And um, now I have to remind myself not to feed. Other people. If we go on a double date, are you going to offer me a piece of steak, Tara? Well, when I, when I was at the seeing eye getting my my service dog, I literally had to stop myself a couple of times from asking my neighbor, oh, what what would you like next? And I'm like, wait, wait, they can feed themselves. They're wow. just flying. <laughs> yeah. So that, that brings a, a question of mine. You know, one thing that we talk about a lot on, on the podcast is how the differences of faith, and I know we haven't gotten to that portion of this interview yet, but the differences of faith kind of force this communication to occur and force you to work through really difficult issues. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a similar win with the, with the disabilities where being forced to kind of figure it out has increased intimacy between the two of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think that it can, and just like being in a mixed faith marriage can do that. And also it, it can't, it, it doesn't do that. I mean, it depends on the attitude you choose to take. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, we've, we've gotten to a point where, where we're committed to each other and, and, um, and, and so far, Tara hasn't killed me out with constant, constant help. So, well, she wants to. She wants to run away. <laughs> but, but we we decided after that first and second date. What was it? Within a matter of three weeks, that we wanted to get married. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, we did the typical BYU thing. That, yeah, that was the typical BYU thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now. Let's talk about that a little bit when you go to your parents and say, we want to get married. And by the way, my bride is blind and my groom is in a wheelchair. How are, I mean, I'm sure there's so many questions to be asked. Uh, Well, you know, Katie, there are times when you really want someone to just believe in you because you don't know if you can, if you can do it. We got that from some people and from other people. We got, what the hell are you thinking? Have you lost your mind? And, 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 and the doubt was really, really painful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably all the, all that I want to say about it. Sorry. But no, it's, it's, that's the endless doubt is the hardest part of having a disability. We, we deal with it all the time. I mean, we, we, we literally have asked people ask us if our three-year-old child takes care of us. We've literally had that happen. 
Wow. That's very, it's so, that's so demeaning. What is it yeah. between your ears, dude? <laughs> yeah. It seems like all common sense goes out the window yes. when, when, when you're looking at disabled people because yeah. we're, we're, um, we're not seen as capable. We're not seen as capable. And, and honestly, I think more than that, it, it's an embodiment of people's worst fears. Yeah. Yeah. And so all, all common sense goes out the window. All, thought about you know adaptation goes out the window and, and and a realization that hey we've been at our lives for um 40 years yeah and nearly 40 years for you yeah you're still a young 30s um <laughs> but um people seem to forget that wait Maybe maybe we know a little bit about how to function as disabled people. Right. Maybe we know how to deal with this. Right. Now, now as I recall, some of what we did end up telling people is who were who were doubting was now look, we don't know either. But um we're committed to figuring it out and, and we think we can. So, I think I think that says a lot about who you both are and your character. And, you know, that that's, I know it's such a tender, um, tender feelings and tender spot because um, that would be so hurtful to have those types of comments directed in, in, you know, rather than just, Hey, let's figure this out. We'll support you in whatever way you can. Um, That, that would be really, and I, Tara, I just, I feel your heart on that. Yeah. Tell us, um, you know, you get married. How how long before you got married? I mean, you were dating three weeks and then you get married. Oh, so we, we got married. We, we kind of dated and engaged for a little over a year. Um, and a big part of that was because people were freaking out. And so we, we waited longer. It was, you know, it was a time to um, get people comfortable with the situation. And you know what? The, the, the positive is that everybody came around. Yeah. And yeah, they uh, did. were, were yeah. tremendously supportive. So there was an initial shock and, and um, freak out moments, mm-hmm. but, but everybody did come on board. Yeah. And it, it's been on the whole uh, really great since. We've been married for what, 14, 14, and, a half 14 and a half years. So yeah, so we get married. Um, I I got um, as I was about to start my student teaching. Um, I was a history education major. A job uh, at the training and adjustment center for blind adults came open. Um, that is, it. They have one in nearly every state in the United States. Blindness is a very unique disability in that majority of what we do is visual. And so when all of a sudden that vision is not around, what are you going to do? The Training Adjustment Center in Utah has Braille classes, has assistive technology, so they teach you how to use a computer and other assistive technology devices. They have a a fiber arts um, class. So that teacher, um, she retired after 49, almost 50 years, and her daughter is now doing it. So she teaches knitting crocheting, tatting, and sewing. Um, they have a wood shop where uh, the only specialized device is a measuring device, and the rest of it is standard table saw and all that kind of equipment. 
um, and they have a cooking class and that position opened to teach the cooking class and I applied um, and to my complete and total shock, they hired me. <laughs> I was just thinking I'd get some interview experience and that why a guy who was my supervisor called and said, Hey, I didn't ask you a question on the interview. I said, Oh, what's that? He said, well, if we hired you, would you take the job? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so, um, so I did, I did that for, uh, seven years until our oldest child was born. And then, um, you, you got, you want to talk about what you did? Uh, yeah. So I, um, I, uh, was working as a, as a student employee at BYU and I needed a counseling internship, uh, for a master's degree. I thought I was going to pursue. And, uh, um, and that, that ended up being, uh, something that turned into a full-time position. And, uh, so I've worked in, a couple of different capacities at BYU, and I've been there for 11 years full time, and about three part time before that. It's it's been on the whole great, and uh, really grateful, uh, you know, for the community I have down there. Yeah, sure. I, why don't I? I do have a, a couple of questions about maybe your participation in church the both of you now as a married couple, take us through maybe some of those experiences that stand out to you as far as um, you grew up very differently, right? Church wise. So uh, how did, how did you come together on that? And what was your church experience been up until the faith shift, which we'll get to. I was true blue uh-huh. through and through. So when I, um, when uh, you, you are blind and you go through the public education system, you have what's called a teacher of the visually impaired. And that's usually somebody who goes around from different schools and they, um, they, they transcribe your Braille so that the teacher knows what you're writing and they, they get your assignments in Braille and, and different things like that. Um, they might work with students on learning Braille. I, I started out at the school for the blind. And so, I learned Braille there and I, I don't actually remember ever learning. I don't remember learning Braille, which is kind of interesting because I, I went on to teach Braille later at the Center for the Blind and people were like, well, what about when you learn? I'm like, I don't remember learning it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so just you, yeah, 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 just magic fingers. Anyway, so when I was in junior high, there was a, a, a teacher who would come and work with me and I, I, I guess it was probably beyond illegal, but we sat and talked church for for hours and she had a very strong testimony and then my my older my oldest sister who's uh 13 years older than I do and she's got six she's 13 years older than I am and she has six kids she's always been a strong believer and she's always been someone that I've really admired and looked up to and so those folks really kind of gave me a desire to be involved and be a member of the church so yeah when we when we married and um, I remember, I remember sitting in um, my apartment. What would eventually you moved into after we got married? 
remember sitting on the couch together and you were insistent that we read the scriptures and pray every single night. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Go, go, girl, I can go for this. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, that, um, our, you know, our church experience when we were married was, was, was good for the most part. There's a, um, if you get disabled people together and you can get us, get people to open up who are, are of any religion, because religions are run by people, we'll start to tell you about when our religion hurt us. So you'll hear about the, the, the choir that wouldn't let a blind member in or the deaf person who is really in need of interpreter services and they can't get the help they need from their church or the wheelchair user who would like to take a pee while he's at the church and there's no accessible bathroom. Um, so, and, and you'll also hear the opposite. You'll hear the times that people were really kind and empathetic and, and we've experienced uh, both. I remember one time we went to do temple ceilings and we weren't allowed to uh, because Tyler uses a wheelchair. We weren't allowed to do proxy ceilings. You were you were allowed to be you, know, you were allowed to be a daughter, and you were allowed. I to was witness. allowed to witness. Yes, yeah. um, and then somehow that policy changed. It just changed. I, I don't know how it changed. It just changed, and uh, we went in our. In, in mine on in, in my believing days, we went to the temple. It was like our date night. And there was uh, the most gracious sealer there who would always make sure that we got to participate. You know, there's a little extra involved in helping you, Tyler, participate because I have to move the kneeling bench so that you can get your wheelchair where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but just such a gracious, inclusive person. And I would always thank him. And he, I don't think he under. I don't think he got it. I don't think he, I I think trying to be inclusive was so much a part of who he was that he he didn't, I don't think he understood why that meant so much to me. I I still like that still means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we wanted to uh, work in the temple. Is that? Yeah. Um, And and at the time, you know, I, I, I'd asked the member of our bishopric who uh, it was kind of inviting people to to work, and uh, we were kindly uh, turned down. Yeah, not you. Now, we're desperate for young unmarried couples with no children. but Married. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> young married couples with no children, but we don't want you. We want the non-disabled people. Yeah. That's who we want. Yeah. <clears throat> so that is something that you're that you continually deal with and and um and I don't think that the church is unique. I mean that you know there have been blind bishops, Tyler's in the bishopric of our ward. So it, you know it's a you get both. The other thing that had happened to us is we went through about five years of infertility or, or uh, trouble getting trying to get pregnant couldn't get pregnant and then miscarriages so i don't i'm not quite sure how to phrase that because it's obviously different than somebody who just can't get pregnant at all 
Well, I had three miscarriages, early term miscarriages in a nine month period. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we finally figure out what is the deal and we are like pregnant and there's actually a living heart beating Marie in there. And I am just giddy. And we, we went to a, a conference at the conference center. My dad had started dating a lady. Um, and since she's been in our lives, we've attended more concerts and musicals. She just, that is her thing. And it's, it's great. And so she said, let's go, let's go to this concert at the conference center. And then everybody can come over to my house and we'll do a big dinner. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we make the announcement that we're finally expecting and it's successful after, you know, fourth time's a charm. And um, it was cold. It was like 10 degrees because it was, it was December. It was the Christmas concert. And as we're on the plaza, we are told. The moment, the moment we set a foot and wheel on the plaza, uh-huh. uh, we were told by every Every missionary worker there. You'll need to go to door 13. Door 13. Door 13. Door 13. Okay. And and I think we both assumed that's where they're going to handle check-in and security for for the chair and the dog. Oh, and the person in the chair and the person (laughs) using the dog. Um, we just we just send the chair and the dog. The chair and the dog are going to have a great time. <laughs> yes. yeah. So we get to door thirteen, and we're told to wait, and everybody else gets to go in. We were we were we got to the door. We were asked to step aside. Yeah. And uh, other people were filing into the building behind us while we sat outside and waited in the cold for. Another minute or two. And it felt a lot longer because I knew something bad was coming. And what was bad was coming was the head of security. For the entire, he said it was the head of church security. Uh, and we were told that they'd had an issue with a, quote, uh, service dog. So um, in a previous general conference and so that if we wanted to come in, uh, I could sit in a room apart from everybody else or not. In a totally separate annex of the building. Yeah. Or, yeah, because, um, or I wasn't welcome. And um, so just a brief pause, which is service dogs behave like service dogs. Uh, They don't, they don't bark. They don't, my dogs take naps during concerts. They just lay there. That's it. And if they don't do that, if they start wiggling and acting like a heathen, they don't get to come to the concert. When I get off of airplanes, people behind me will not even know that my dog is, was there. They will only know that I had a service dog during this whole four-hour flight because they, they watch me get up and put a harness back on and walk off the plane. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that a service dog is supposed to behave. Unfortunately, there are people that are not you know, that are taking fluffy into public. And so I I guess rather than deal with individual poorly behaved fluffy, the solution that was decided on was that uh, disabled people with legitimate service dogs were not welcome to sit with everybody else. 
So I remember standing there not knowing quite what to do. And my dad, and I will always love and be grateful for him, without asking anybody what to do, he just said, well, here's your tickets. And we left. And I cried and cried. And, like, I had not cried that hard until my previous, like, my last miscarriage was the time I cried that hard. I, I mean, everybody here is familiar with the shelf, right? The shelf of doubts, the shelf of, oh, I'm not sure about this one. And that's the moment my shelf just shattered into a million pieces. And I don't think I was consciously aware of it. But um, it felt like if I stick around in this religion, it's going to continue to hurt me because of who I am. That's the way it felt to me. Had there been experiences prior to this that kind of led to that big, big shelf break? Oh, I mean, the, the, the not being able to do temple ceilings. Okay. And you could do temple ceilings, yeah. but you kind of have a question mark. The not being able to work in the t- temple. But, um, I had wanted to serve a mission. I was told no. Um, I, I mean, the, the Church and Blind Missionaries is just this complicated thing because they've had incredibly successful people go um, my first supervisor at work was the guy that got all the hard companions because <laughs> he just was good. I mean, he was just good with people. He just was. And, and he was blind. Yeah, he was blind as a bat. He didn't have any eyes. Um, and so, <laughs> but then you get the people that don't have the best social skills and don't have the best independent skills and, you know, and that becomes a challenge. And so, and then, you know, the, the race Temple priesthood ban was a big issue mm. for me. I mean, I don't, I don't know what somebody's, I don't know what people look like. Like I, and it's, I always feel, I always feel sort of uncomfortable when I'm around sighted people and they start com- commenting on somebody's appearance or, oh, that person's such a puffball or they need to, like, I don't, I don't know how to relate to that. Like, I mean, I can be as judgmental as the rest of the population, but you got to open your mouth first, man. I mean, you got to. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so to be to judge people based on their appearance, whatever that is, has always been something that's really. I, I'm just really uncomfortable with it because I, I don't. I, it just goes over my head. I can't. I don't understand. And so that was a real a real struggle for me. Like I I I, I don't know what color somebody's skin is or what they look like. I I don't care. It just doesn't matter. And so I was like, wait, what is up with this? Um, Later, I became friends with a a really uh, beautiful um, musician by the name of Jed Moss. And he was Valley West's um, piano player. And um, my flute teacher introduced all of her students to him. I mean, he just, I can't even speak highly enough about him. He was so kind. And he really had an understanding that I play music by ear. And he seemed to get when I could hear the way things fit together and when I couldn't. And, uh, and he was gay. And, you know, you start to hang out with somebody like that. And you start to open up your mind about that just oh well it doesn't you know this is just who you are <laughs> and um he talked about why he had continued to play the piano 
uh, after playing with Air Supply and that he'd been kind of looking into UPS <laughs> driving delivery trucks. And he sat down with his, his husband and his husband, I guess they're partners in because gay marriage hadn't been made legal, but um, his husband's like, look, I, I, you're a musician. That's who you are. Let's work together to make this, this happen. And he ended up doing freelance in Utah was really successful. I mean, that's my recollection of the story he told me. And, and then in 2019, he died of cancer. And at the end of his life, he got to have what we all hope to have, which is a loving spouse who helps you through the kind of difficult experience. And then for some crazy reason, there's like a ton of transgender folks in the wine community. I, huh. And I kind of started hanging out with those guys. And one of them was my friend that we studied for the GRE together. And he was very open about his story. And, and so that's just been another kind of a shelf breaking. Yeah. Yeah. Tara, did you communicate to Tyler how you were feeling all along or Tyler? Is this, okay. So, <laughs> Tyler, so Tyler, I want you to take us through, you know, the, how do you talk about this? And what was the moment that Tara came to you and said all the feelings she had? Oh man. I remember, well, I mean, I remember, I mean, I knew, I knew something was going on because. Um, I started yeah. swearing more. Well, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't because of the kids, Tara. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that's my excuse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, 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 but no longer were we praying or reading scriptures together. And that was, that was a call you had made, um, not wanting to do that anymore. And so I just thought, okay. Um, and I wasn't, I, I had no idea where to go or how to navigate from there. And it was just a, it was a taboo subject for what, a couple of years even? Yeah. I mean, what happened from like, I'd started staying home uh, with our, our child and I went from people, constant people like 12 hours a day. You know, when we walked to the train to take public transportation, Tyler says hi to everybody. And it dawned on me after a few years of several years of you doing this, that he's saying hi to all the people that are staring at us. <laughs> and so, so then people start becoming more comfortable. And so then you have trained friends and they, mm-hmm. talk, you know, you pass them around cookies at Christmas and birthday cards, birthday cards. <laughs> and then you go into the, then I would go into the center and there were all these students and I liked all these students. They were, it was so fun to watch them get their life back together and, you know, and then there were colleagues there that were um, uh, really fun to hang out with. And, and, you know, when I touched, talked the cooking class, I was my, everybody hung out in my kitchen at lunchtime. <laughs> it was just, and so like, I was just people, 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 people. And then all of a sudden there's just this baby who's pooping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started listening to Mormon stories. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course. When you get stressed about kids, you listen to Mormon stories. That seems logical. I was bored, man. I was bored. I was so freaking bored and isolated and depressed. Like, I can't just jump in a car and go wherever I want to go. I'm stuck at home. Yeah. You know, I asked Maria how to solve the national debt, and she didn't have any answers. Just, <laughs> she back for you, you know? Maybe she did, and she communicated it, but you didn't understand. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, yeah, I got into podcasts and, you know, that, I mean, Mormon Stories has these insane 12-hour interviews, but to me, that was wonderful because as a blind person, I've listened to, I've learned, I, I listen to stuff really quick and it doesn't, when you can speed listen, it doesn't sound fast. Mm. Um, the only time it sounds fast is if somebody plays music, you're like, oh, that is kind of fast, but I can, like, I uh, I can do triple, quadruple speed. Because that's what you're used to. Because that's what I'm used to. And yeah. if you listen to a voice a ton, you can just crank it up, man. So I just binged. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know I was losing my... I didn't really know I was losing my faith until I was in the middle of it all. So, yeah, and Tyler, know. when did you know? Um, I knew... Well, you, Tara told me... A couple of years later. Yeah, I, mean, I just sort of dumped. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. I still um, feel really bad about that to this day. I like that. It was pretty rude. It was something where she just came to me and said, you know what? I don't believe anymore. I'm not wearing my garments anymore. I don't want to be tithing anymore. And it was like. And you just need to understand. Yeah. <laughs> And I just didn't understand. So it's like, uh, 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 okay. And so we went on for another, what, maybe five years? Yeah, just ignoring the elephant just in the room. Ignoring the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable talking about anything church related to Tara because I thought she didn't want to hear it anymore. So we kind of ignored the situation basically mm-hmm. for a lot of years. And, and what prompted, what was there a moment or a period where you're like, you know what, this needs to change. Uh, this COVID-19. Yeah. COVID. I, um, for me, we went to a, a mixed faith marriage retreat that, um, John DeLynn and Natasha. Julie. Julie. And no, Julie Hanks did. And there was this moment where everybody was talking about you know who they are, and and you talked about the resurrection. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the questions they posed, you know, for for the believers is why why do you stay, and for the you know for those who left, why did you leave? And so, you know, we shared our perspectives and, and, you know, I shared my perspective that I stay because um, I believe in the resurrection. I I have faith that there's more um, than just this life. Some days, some days living in my body feels like a prison. And for me, 
I, I hold on to that that faith and hope in the resurrection and and in the in the next life. And so that's what I had communicated in in that uh, seminar we went to. Yeah, and when you said that, like I remember this poignant moment where you asked me for a drink of water, and it's like, good grief, you're you're in your thirties having <laughs> to ask somebody for a glass of water, and that's not just not an easy. That's not easy. There's no other way to put it. It's difficult. Um, and so when you said that, I had this light bulb moment of it doesn't matter whether this whether this is true or not. What matters is, is what this does for you. Yeah. And, yeah. and so for me, that was the point in which it's like, oh, well then, <laughs> hell, stay Mormon, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, but I still think we didn't know how to talk about it. And then COVID-19 and we're stuck home and home and home and still home. (laughs) (laughs) And not only is it now uh, the elephant in the room, but it's, I mean, you're, you're in the same room. You're literally stuck in the same room. Right. I mean, I mean, we're, we're forced to pick up the rug and look at the elephant crap. Right. We've swept underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was it was one of those things where where we both talked and said we've got to do something about this. Yeah, because it's not it's not healthy anymore. Yeah, and uh, you can only ignore problems for so long. <laughs> yeah, and so we we started um, you know couples counseling with Natasha. And, of course, and and found our way to you guys. Yep. And we're so glad you did, Taylor. <laughs> we are too. I I just Taylor, I I got super emotional when you were talking about the reasons why you stay, because um, I think that everyone has reasons why they stay and reasons why they feel like for my mental health, like you, Tara, I can no longer stay. And both are valid. Both of them are. But I I love that, um, Tara, what you said, that you recognize what Tyler, even if you didn't, you know, believe it the same way that, that um, for him, that was something that was so, you know, valid and important to him. And I, I think that that's a really good example. Tell us, like, what are some other things and ways you've worked through talking about Make you know where you're both at and honoring each other where you're at. Um, I think that I think that empathy means you understand even if you don't agree. And so I think that's all I think that's all that you can do is is to try and understand. And I had to learn, you know, I'm I'm really good at the protective intimacy. Yes. I'm just, you know, I'm um I'm really great at that. And I had to learn that, you know, Tyler has to know some things. He has to know how I feel about certain aspects of, 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 uh, you know, why I questioned not, not agree, you know, I mean, I, I don't dump it all 
<laughs> you know, if, I mean, if I need to do an ex-Mormon rant, so I'll go on a drive with like my dad. <laughs> right. I, I don't think we need to go that uh, far, but you know, I think it's important to understand why I feel this way, why this is an issue. And I think that in a, I think that if you're going to make a mixed faith marriage work, you're going to have to realize that your happy, clappy romp through the Mormon forest has some weeds, weeds and some some cloudy skies and, you know, some rain. And that, you know, nobody's perfect and the church isn't perfect. And, you know, as Elder Dorf said and whatever conference talk that was, you know, we made mistakes. And at least understand why your spouse thinks that there have been mistakes made, even if you don't think there have been mistakes. And if you're the non-believer, I think you have to understand why your spouse stays in. What What is it about this that is so important to you? Why does this mean a lot to you? You know, as one of the things I've learned being a parent who, who can't see is asking the kids, help me understand what, what, why do you feel this way? How come you're upset? How come, you know, what's, what's going on here? I was, you know, I mean, you two are, our kids get along really well, but every once in a while there's a moment of, you know, we talk, not take, you know, different things and, you know, help me understand what's going on. Let's talk this out. Try and understand where each other's coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, I think that's really important in, any successful relationship, but a mixed faith marriage gives you an opportunity to try and be really uh, good at that. Yeah. Tyler, what about for you? I think I think for me, one of the most prominent things that has stuck out to me is that we can agree that there are there are concerns and there are weaknesses. And you know what? We can even laugh about some of those. Um, laugh about some of those differences. And and it's okay. And so far, lightning has not struck either one of us. Um, well, you're lowered <laughs> to the ground, Tyler. Well, that's true. But I am you had, by, to, well, didn't I you? had to, didn't you? I had to. I am surrounded by a lot more metal. <laughs> that, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> so... So, um, but, but I think, I think, um, realizing, well, well, for, for me, you know, navigating, navigating the mixed faith marriage, um, forced me to realize or, or to have to make a decision, which is more important, sticking to my guns about the church or um, strengthening this uh, marital relationship that we've both committed to and, and, and made promises about. For me, I made the decision that, excuse me, that the relationship is most important. Like I said, realize that, that we can talk about differences and that, and that, you know, even going through the exercises that we went through in the course about defining values, 
navigating the tenders, um, we were actually more similar than how we were. And that, that was so incredibly helpful to, um, to open my eyes to where we were really at because, because I was afraid to even have these kinds of conversations. I didn't know how to have them. I, I, I thought they would just, you know, um, end up in total and utter disagreement about church and religious related things. And um, for me, I, I realized how we can have conversations and, you know, as you guys talk about, take it to the lab. We've done that. Um, we do that quite a bit. And you are an excellent student using those for me statements, <laughs> Tyler. Yes, you've for me a lot. Tyler, I wanted to key in on one thing that you just mentioned. So you, you said you felt like you had to make a choice. You're going to stick to your guns with the church. And I imagine that if you were going to elaborate on that, well, this is me literally putting words in your mouth. So maybe I should, <laughs> but that you're not going to be as flexible. It's this way. This is how it is. That's kind of sticking to your guns or really focus on improving the relationship and leaning into that relationship. Uh, a lot of a lot of believers in a, at the especially the beginning of a mixed faith marriage, there's this fear that in order for the marriage to work, um, I have to take the church from from here uh, in in how I I look at the church, which I'm holding my hand a little above my head, and I have to bring it down a few rungs where. I have to be more nuanced and they're afraid of like letting go of certain things that they hold very dear. Um, is, is that what you're saying you did and found successful or what did, what did holding, holding those beliefs that you still hold? Um, what was that like while at the same time trying to, to lean into the relationship? I hope that that um, rant made some kind of sense. <laughs> no, no, it did. It did. I held a belief for a long time that that life, you know, and and eternities were very black and white. You live, you know, by X, Y, and Z in X, Y, and Z way. You risk, you you know, you achieve salvation and exaltation. For me, and this is my this is my view. I, I think. I think more than anything, what I've come to kind of understand more is that principle of agency that I think is often forgotten in you know, very, very um, staunch believing families. There's the principle of agency and choice that we're all given. That includes you know, a choice to to um, worship and believe how you want to worship. And for me, that's what I, I feel like I've come to understand more about and lean on is, is well, you know, Tara has a, a God-given right or, or however you want to look at it as an atheist. Um, you know, constitutional. a constitutional right. Constitutional <laughs> right. I like that. I'm going to start using that one. <laughs> to, to believe how you want to and to worship how you want to. 
And who am I to say no? And and more importantly, you know, um, I believe that love and relationships can be so much stronger than than having you know than than mere beliefs. And I know I know several couples who have divorced because of those religious differences. And I I I don't see that as as healthy, quite frankly. And I, as I sit here and talk about that, I wonder if some of that goes or, or is because of um, our uh, disabilities and the um, kind of kind of the, the those experiences of having to fight through so many challenges together that that has that has made us stronger and yeah. um, built a a foundation where you know religious differences aren't um, aren't as big of a deal for us. What do you think? I'm in a unique situation where I know what it is to need help uh, because our society, everybody drives and I can't. Yeah. And I know what it is to, to experience dependence and I know what it is to experience when that help is, is graciously given, when it's grudgingly given and when it's not given. For me, I want to graciously uh, help you in order to do that. I have to have empathy mm-hmm. for where you're coming, for what your situation is. And so uh, what I have needed to do is to have empathy for why you uh, believe in a religion that that I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a part of when you leave, you're like, man, this is a bunch of crap. Why in the hell do you stay, dude? What's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, and I remember, and, I remember you, I remember when we were talking at first, uh, you wanted me to leave too. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that that's that. a that's a pretty natural <laughs> feeling. I I want to just go to one of the biggest um, fears that people have is how do we raise our kids now? Both of you are raising children in your mixed yeah, disability got, home, got right? And now your mixed faith home, mm-hmm. and so I really want to just at this point make a plug and have you guys just talk a little bit about um, your podcast because they um, have, they have a great, great podcast. Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? The the podcast is, if anybody's seen the movie Crip Camp on Netflix, it's all about the disability civil rights movement. And that was a really moving documentary because every time we go to work, go to a school event with the kids, go to a concert, go to dinner. Like even our house, our, our condo is all, all due to what a whole bunch of disabled people did years before we were ever even around. So we call them our 
podcast crip parenting as a way of thanking a whole bunch of disabled people that we didn't even know about until we watched that documentary. Every podcast, I'm not a camera happy mom, huh. obviously, but I'm a record my children happy mom. And so every podcast starts with an audio clip of the kids doing, you know, something fun or cute or, um, cause I've just got tons of audio <laughs> recordings. It, it's not the best audio recording quality. It's kind of quiet and, you know, but it's what I was able to get. And then we talked about what it's like to be uh, disabled parents and, and how we, um, how we adapt as disabled parents. And then we also have guests on the podcast uh, who were just adapting with uh, as disabled people, but disabled people are, it's amazing what as humans were able to do. There are, there are a handful of blind doctors in the United States. There are doctors with a disability similar to Tyler's. There are attorneys, there are professors, there are therapists, there's, there's all kinds of things uh, that disabled people do and all kinds of ways we find to adapt. And so the primary focus of our podcast is, is on parenting. Um, hopefully we'll have a few less people ask us if our three-year-olds <laughs> take care of us <laughs> um, after listening to podcasts. But anyway, and then we've also had other guests come on our, right now we're in the middle of it publishing episodes with a blind friend of ours who's a professional woodworker. So he, wow. he, he, um, he specializes in the lathe. That's his real passion. And he talked about losing the sight from retinitis pigmentosa. Um, but there's also po- podcasts where we do we talk about our, our journey and having kids and different things. You guys actually helped inspire it actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I've listened to your podcast for a long time. But no, we can, we, can, we can do this. Yeah, well, exactly. and we both listened to the first episode and absolutely loved it. Loved it. And we're going to be caught up. I'll be caught up. I'm, I go to the gym and I listen to, <laughs> I don't do three to four times speed, but I do, I do about <laughs> 1.4. That's as, as quick as my brain will work. Uh, we'll, we'll be caught up really quick. We're looking forward to listening to it. Oh, thank you. Well, I, you know, both of you, I, it's so interesting because a lot of the things that you talked about when you told your parents that you wanted to get married and their reactions, I can't help but draw some of the, some of the same parallels when, um, in our own marriage, when, you know, one, one person says, I, I, I'm done with the church and it's a lot, Alan did a lot of just waiting until I was ready to take off his garments waiting until I was ready for him to try to try (laughs) alcohol. And, you know, and I think that so much of this episode (laughs) is just very, very inspiring um, to me. And just also like the attitudes that you both have and seeing you in the workshop, seeing you do the work and seeing how you interact with each other has just been just a complete joy for Alan and I. In a different time and place in history, we would not be here. We would not have survived. We wouldn't have been able to have our kids. I I, I mean, we've modern, I talk about it in my 
we talk about it in our podcast, but modern medicine helped us have our children. I would have died in childbirth with our oldest kid. Uh, I mean, we both probably would have. We both would have died as a birth. I mean, we would have been stillborn children. Yeah. And I just feel like life is such a gift. And I'm so grateful that I get to have time on the planet and, and, and be here. And I'm grateful I get to have a parent, be a parent. I wanted to be a mom so much. And I'm grateful I get to be married to you. And I'm grateful for when you do the bedtime. <laughs> Like sit in front of our fireplace eating my feet feeling pleasurable guilt <laughs> are we all grateful when our spouse is bedtime yes. Yes. yes well we want to give you the the very last word both both tyler and tara on is there anything else that you were hoping to be able to to say or any advice it doesn't have to be advice but uh, if you have any that'd be great for for other couples that are just entering mixed faith marriage or struggling currently in their mixed faith marriage some advice I would give is, is um, don't give up. You know, obviously, if, if people are listening to this podcast, they, they know at some level about marriage on a tightrope and mixed faith marriages. Um, you know, the, the resources that are available um, are, are amazing. I can't, I mean, literally, I cannot emphasize enough how much um, you, Ellen, and Katie helped us. And it was, it was like an aha light bulb times 20 million moment uh, that, that, oh, yeah, we can, we can do this. It, It takes work. I know. There were there are some uncomfortable conversations that have to be had uh, when when you're discussing being in a mixed faith marriage or you know really mixed anything marriage. I mean, if if I think about the disability aspect, we talked a lot about that and how we would manage that. We still talk a lot about that, yeah. but it, it's having to be having to be vulnerable with each other. So don't, don't give up. That would be my advice. Good advice. Tara? Um, mine would be have empathy. Seek to understand. You don't have to agree, but seek to understand. You know, when I, I think everybody can relate to the coming out as a mixed faith couple or coming out as a non-believer. And when I told my big sister that I had left, there was no anger. There was no reproach. There was no, how could you? There was no, what are you thinking? (laughs) There was no, well, you're my last sister, sibling who believes. How could you do this to me? All she said was, you know, what happened? And I told her a little bit. She said, well, Tara, you just can't stay in a religion where you don't feel like you belong and you don't believe. You just can't. That was it. Except one other thing. The next day, she sent me a text and she said, I, I just want to make sure we're good. You're my sister and I love you a lot. Mm. We should be that for each other. Let's do that. Whether we're the believer or the non-believer, let's do that. Let's show that kind of empathy because 
that's all we can do. We can't, you don't get to run your spouses or your kids' life. They get to run their life. So what we get to do is we get to show empathy and compassion and understand why the person is on the journey to there. That is the bow that we are tying <laughs> quite neatly around that, around this episode. Thank you. Great way, to, great way to end the episode. We both have tears in our eyes. <laughs> yeah. Katie, a little more than me. I'll be honest. Katie, a little more than me. But I do. But I do. <laughs> if uh, people want to listen to your podcast, can you give them some information on, on where to listen and also how to contact you if that's something they want to do? Sure. So we are, our podcast is Crip Parenting. We're on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Spotify and Google. Google Play. And we're trying to get on the other ones, but we got a little bit stuck. We're going to keep doing it. And we're like dropping episode seven this weekend. It was so fun to talk to my friend who's a professional woodworker who's blind. And um, our email is Crip Parenting. C-R-I-P-P-A-R-E-N-T-I-N-G at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from people because we've gotten like one email and it was from a friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Please go listen. Absolutely. Well, I think that if you love this episode and you want to show Tyler and Tara some love, uh, definitely email them at cripparenting at gmail.com. Yes. Okay. Dot com. And just thank you so much for being on here. I, it is everything I thought it would be and more. So (laughs) it was fun. It was fun. Good. Thank you for having us. We're gonna see that it was better That we grew up together Tell me you don't wanna leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Grow as we go Grow as we go